0: by sports interaction canada
1: sports book think you know what way it's gonna go make your bet with sports interaction whether it's hockey football or basketball sports interaction has you covered bet pre-game live and play or in one of our many prop bets sports interaction makes it easy to deposit play and cash out join now and see all that sports betting has to offer want to bet Head to sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn, Steve Dangle Podcast Network. That's sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn. 19 plus, please play responsibly. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Game Over Vancouver. It is morning. That is not why my voice is so raspy. Well, it's the afternoon... It's almost the afternoon. Coming off a cold, that's why I'm so happy I brought in a guest to help me share the load today. Yes, I am Canuck Clay, Clay Emo, and this is indeed Game Over Vancouver on a day where the Vancouver Canucks lost to the Detroit Red Wings 5-2, and this is the first game of a back-to-back Detroit comes into Vancouver, plays at Rogers Arena on Monday night. Early start, 9 a.m. Pacific time. But even if this was 9 p.m. Pacific time, my voice would still sound the same. So that's why I'm grateful for my guest that's going to come in in a second. So as we get started, like this video, subscribe to this channel, SDPN, the Steve Dangle Podcast Network, where we cover all seven Canadian teams. And I think all seven Canadian teams are in action today. And three of them are in action super early. I guess the NHL with 14 games try to spread them all out. So we on the Pacific Coast get the early one, of course. So to break it all down, I have a good friend of mine he was actually on my one of my very first shows way back in October I told him we bring it back it took four months but we have him back so let's welcome Mr Pete Edwards of the Canucks speak easy podcast good morning Pete how are you I'm good clay how you doing I'm doing great While I clear my throat why don't you tell everyone who you are and what you do thanks brother
0: sure well I mean if you follow me on Twitter I do a lot of nonsense and uh and kind of Try and be a, a glass half full Canucks fan. I'm at Pete underscore gas and I co host the Canucks Speak podcast, Canucks Speakeasy podcast at Canucks Speak with my good buddy Doug Venn, where we try and talk all things Canucks while keeping a level ahead uh, amidst a lot of noise out there. But yeah, basically at the root of it all, I'm just a longtime, diehard, long suffering Canucks fan.
1: Well, that makes two of us. I appreciate you being here. And uh, you are coming to you not like from a different. I like I love the background, but where are you today, by the way?
0: Yeah, I'm at my mom's house over in Victoria right now. So oh, nice. uh, this is the only quiet spot. So no Canucks stuff around me uh, here, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, so I'm coming from Victoria today.
1: Well, you're a good son. You're a good podcaster. You're a good friend because I was telling Pete that I, with the early morning start, with me not being feeling well this week, didn't really line up a co-host, and I was so grateful that or guest, and I was so grateful that Pete said yes basically on a couple hours notice, but I knew you are watching the game like a good fan that you are.
0: <laughs> yeah, always always watching the games as long as I can. As long as it doesn't conflict with work or anything else, I'll I'll always watch the games.
1: There you go. I'm not a coffee guy, so I got my hot chocolate. What do you have this morning?
0: I've got a couple cups of coffee down the chute already, so I'm ready to go.
1: All right. Impressions overall of this game overall?
0: Uh, I mean... Tough start again, right? You know, it's uh, it's the the Canucks undoing is getting behind early. That seems to be a constant. I will say the effort seems to be a little different. It's nice to see uh, the emergence of some players in the lineup. Uh, I think Anthony Babilia is also kind of suited in really well on Pedersen's line. That seems like a good fit. Uh, overall, really impressed with um, Miller, Kuzmenko, Garland uh, as well. Um, tough on the blue line. Uh, again, I think the blue line had a, a bit of a rough game. Um, kind of the same old, same old for a lot of things with uh, the Canucks. I mean, you, you kind of know when the Canucks are playing an early game out east. You know that it's generally going to end up in the loss
1: column. <laughs> Fair to say. So let's do this, like we always do. This first segment, we'll talk a bit about our game, some observations, like Pete and I have just started a breakdown, a couple of the goals. Then for the second segment, I, I told Pete it would be great. To, I would love to hear, since we haven't had him on here in four months, his perspective of what the Canucks should do for the final third of the season and maybe any changes. We both noticed under Rick Tockett. Then the third segment, we'll get to all of your questions. So, love the interaction in the chat. Chat with one another. We are reading the we are reading the comments, but we'll probably get to most of them at the end. So, save your really good questions for the last ten minutes. But please interact with each other. Like this video, subscribe. And so grateful that you guys are here. Maybe you're chowing down your lunch while we're while you're watching us, and hopefully, you won't lose your lunch as we talk about this game. So, Pete, as we started off. Uh, not the best start. Um, uh, the, the first goal, Ethan Barr and Quinn Hughes get their singles across. And then the second goal, it was um, um uh, it was uh, Ekman Larson. I, he had a chance to ring it around, and then the connections got kind of scrambly. So I, I put these two goals kind of together. They both scored on Martin's right side. I don't know if they, they scouted him, but four of the five goals were actually scored on that side of Martin. So overall, as you watch Larkin score, as you watch Bergen score, what were your first thoughts? And were you said okay that's that's 58 minutes down but we uh, two minutes down but we still have 58 more minutes to go what were you thinking
0: uh my first thought was uh, i need to get more coffee in me right now because this is uh this is not the way i wanted to to start the day um yeah i mean this is uh it's been a recurring problem it's unfortunate it, it's it's unfortunate that's still happening in the under talk it as well but um you, you know it's it's just been a tough year for canuck school and this is something that the start of the year, I, I felt really good about the Canucks goaltending attending situation. Obviously, uh, Patrick Demko, uh, what's happened there has been a big change, but I felt really confident with Spencer Martin as as a backup. I mean, Martin and Delia, let's just face it, that's not uh, an NHL tandem that's going to get it done. Yeah. Uh, so, for me, there's there is uh, there's blame on the goalies for that start as much as anyone, but it's also, it's it's a team game. I mean, it's not just the defensemen, it's not just the goalie, it's the forwards, it's everyone, but um, I mean, what was it, 25 shots for the Wings tonight, maybe, they yeah. finished with, and scored five goals so you know that that's pretty tough when you're only stopping 80 percent of the shots
1: and actually you up a good point because I, I saw a couple of people a couple of people talking about this on on Twitter now that you've we've seen Demko out since December 1st so we're coming up on January February basically at least two full months two and a half full months maybe even three by the time he plays are you surprised that the Canucks actually didn't make a more considered effort to go out and get a bonafide backup a true second goalie or did you think that they thought Martin was going to be that guy.
0: I think they thought Martin was that guy and Colin Delia was the insurance. I also think the Demco injury has gone on a lot longer than they thought. I mean, originally I don't think, uh, Anyone, including the team, was saying he was going to be out this long. And I think they're being extremely cautious, as you should, with uh, with goalie injuries. I mean, you don't want to rush him back, especially with the situation the Canucks are in. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's just there hasn't been really goalies on waivers. And uh, I don't think they're really wanting to use assets to get another goalie. I mean, I think they still like what they have with uh, Archer Seeloffs in the system down yeah. there as well. And so I just think this is kind of not gone the way as planned, like a lot of things uh, with the Canucks. So uh, Martin and Delia, you know, it, it's it, neither one has really gotten it done, but that's also on uh, the team as well
1: in front of them. Awesome. Uh, no, well said. And I want to give a shout out to Robert from SDPN in the background, as always, making sure everything is running smoothly. Thank you, Robert, for being here. And everyone else, uh, make sure you tell your friends to come and hang out with us for the next half an hour. And the cool thing about a morning start, you have the rest of your day to do Whatever you want. Pete, second period, a pair of power play goals. Let's talk about the Canucks. One, they score 13 seconds into the man advantage, I like what I've seen in the past couple of games. A lot more movement. You actually have rotation. You actually have Petey sometimes rotating up to the top. Uh, Miller playing on the other side. And this was Bovillier, uh, Arbo, taking the former Bo's bumper spot. What did you think of the goal? And what do you think of Beauvillier's play so far? You kind of hinted at it earlier.
0: Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was great. I mean, the Bubilia was really able to find some nice open ice in the slot there. And, and you're right about movement. I thought Miller with uh, with the great pass there. And Hughes has done a really nice job with controlling the point. I mean, I don't think the power play is a is a concern for this team. They have yeah. uh, a, a large amount of offense. It's something that they do have. It's just. Um, it's it's just other parts of the game that that's really hurt them. But the power play for me, no concern. I like uh, what I've seen, and again, I I do like what I've seen from the billier so far with the team. Already a couple of goals and getting power play time.
1: Yeah, and a lot of people. I'm glad you mentioned Miller's nice pass because, yeah, I know Miller is very polarizing, especially now that Bo's gone. And Miller hasn't scored since Talkett's been here, but he's racked up seven or eight assists. I've always said Miller is a very smart player. He's an excellent passer. Like he understands where everyone is. Yeah, tantrums aside, I think if if he can really focus and you, we've seen him put in the effort defensively, I've actually been fine with Miller's play over the past few weeks.
0: Yeah, me too. I, I think um, December was really a bad month for Miller, any way you looked at it. I mean, he's averaging around, I think, just under a half a point a game, and yeah. defensively was just a bit of a nightmare. Um, I think uh, there's a, a large amount of Canucks fans that are having a tough time shaking that image. And especially with everything you said with Bo Horvat, Bruce Boudreaux, I personally have no problem with Miller's emotion. I want to see emotion on this team. I, I have no problem with that. And some of the things you're hearing out of the team is, uh, as well, he's being very supportive of giving Petey and Hughes more of a role. And I think he sees that in order for this team to continue to grow you need your best players to really lead, and I don't see Miller necessarily as being the leader of this team going forward. But I see him as a very important support player. And again, you mentioned not scoring; he's got a bunch of assists. But overall, I've been fine with Miller's play the last little while. And tonight, I thought again he was uh, he had a very strong game today.
1: Yeah, even after Bouba's power play goal, we see that shot on the bench of them looking at the iPad and and, and going through plays, and we've seen a couple of pictures about that. So I do like I love what you said. Only uh, 0.5 points per game in December, but likely 1.5 tantrums per game. So, yes, that was a rough yeah. month for him. <laughs> Dylan yeah, Larkin. for sure. But Yo, sorry, go ahead. I
0: just I just think he's got a bit of a – he does have a very rough rap, and polarizing is the, the right word, and yeah. his fan base always seems to need someone to be polarizing. Yeah. Um, but I don't have a problem with Miller's emotion at all. I want to see emotion out there.
1: Pete, I love the way – honestly, I, I don't need to suck up because you're already on the show. I love the way that you, uh, you say a lot in few words. Like, you're very efficient because not only are we talking about the game, but we're also – bringing in in tangents and I want to bring in another tangent. So Larkin scores to restore the two goal red wing league. It's a power play goal. At first I'm laughing because we killed off that double minor to JT, speaking of emotion right at the start of the game. And I'm like, oh yeah, our penalty kill is fine. And then um, we kind of get caught. I don't know, Pete, for me, it's, they have a trouble picking off the cross seam passes and everything around. It's either right in the bumper or it gets through the bumper all the way to the other side. Leading Martin with no chance in this Larkin goal was another example of that.
0: Yeah, there's, there's this tendency on the PK to, to play like a passive box or a collapsing box. Yeah. And uh, they give a lot of movement on the sides, uh, on the, on the hash marks. And if you get a team with a really skilled winger or forward, it creates a lot of space, but then it also creates a lot of space up at the point. And uh, look, if you're going to play a passive box, you got to keep the lane open for the goalie. And that yep. doesn't always happen. If you're keeping a passive box and you're still allowing traffic and the, the goalie can't see it all the way, that's, that's a problem too. So I would love to see, more of a, a rush at the point. I'd love to see them hurrying guys more. Maybe not playing such a like a passive collapse box in the PK. And I, I think they've done that a little bit in some of the past games. Yeah. But I think this is going to be uh, a larger work in project, progress, and and also a talk at figuring out what he wants for personnel out there and what, what they're doing and and utilizing player strengths. Cause let's face it, the Canucks blue line isn't the most mobile. So how are you going to work that into the PK uh, when you do have a fairly decent mobile forward group? And how are you going to kind of balance those two out? So I think they're, I think they're still trying to figure out exactly what they're trying to do with this historically bad penalty killing this year.
1: You know, what a great segue. We didn't even plan this, but uh, I was going to say you and I, we follow each other. So we respond to each other's tweets. You saw me tweeting about Stillman. I don't have anything. I'm not anti Stillman, but I am very pro Dermot. And the Stillman thing's crazy. We'll get to one of the, his giveaways. But even when the. After Beauvilliers scored, you might remember, Pete, we had all the momentum in the second period. The, even John and John were talking about how the ice was basically slanted towards that end. And then Stillman takes that against the flow penalty, which leads to this Larkin goal. So I, I just think it's situational awareness. It's, it's everything. I'm not piling on, but I, I do think he had a rough game, which leads me to. The, the Ronick goal, which is actually no, it was the Bergen goal. Uh, no, which goal was it? Yeah, it was the Ronick goal. So after, <laughs> Hughes, yeah, was Hughes just misses. By the way, what'd you think it was? Penalty shot attempt, Hughes.
0: Uh, I thought he had it. I liked it. I thought he had it. The puck just bounced. Uh, I was sure when I saw that. I was like, oh, the old, that's, that was my old move playing street hockey. I, I thought this was, I thought it was in. And uh, yeah, just that, you know. When that happened and the, Canuc- and the puck bounced, I'm like, oh, this is – the puck luck's not going Vancouver's way today.
1: Yeah, and then Petey, uh, Petey tried the exact same move and almost scored uh, a bit later. But, yeah, in Roeck's yeah. goal, which kind of insult to injury because he's the one who, who hurled Ethan Barry into the boards. Yeah, Stillman, uh, I-, I don't know. Uh, I was taught to keep both hands on my stick, and he always seems to lose a stick. He loses that stick. Miller tries to clear it off the linesman. It just starts a comedy of errors. And really, not that the Canucks had a chance, but that really was the kind of the final nail in the coffin. That four-one goal scored by the guy who just put Ethan Bear into the boards.
0: Yeah, I mean, when he saw that, yeah, like I said, you just kind of knew the hockey gods were against you. Look, at Riley Stillman. Uh, he's a depth defenseman. I, I would much rather see Dermot out there, um, but I think the Canucks are still figuring out a lot of what they're they're going to do with this blue line and how mm-hmm. they're going to uh, shape it up, um, but. You know, Stillman for me uh, this year has been more seventh or eighth in the in the depth chart uh, as opposed to getting into the top six, somewhat as regularly as he does. Yeah,
1: and another power play goal from Detroit. We don't have to talk about it. Bergen, second of the night, but then uh, P.D. and Bouvillier. I and I talked about this. I know you were tweeting about this too. Great poise, great uh, good decision. And I think um, the way they 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 found instant chemistry already which has been really good. Now it's a question of who's going to play with them. Is it Brock or is Kuzmenko? But yeah, Bovili and P.D. great effort, great communication on that, that second goal for the Canucks.
0: Uh, they made it look like they've been playing together for years. It yeah. was it was a really nice little uh, just two man play. I thought uh, I thought that was a great goal and and PD going to the open ice knowing exactly where the puck was going to go. I mean that's just his general hockey IQ overall, but it yeah. is really nice to see Boville. And again, you know a lot of times when guys get traded to new teams, they get that bump and they kind of go on a bit of a heater. So let's just see how it goes. You know, Bo Horvat scored again today uh, as well, and I mean he's been scoring all, all year, but there's always that bump when. Uh, a guy goes to a new team. So let's see. Let's see if he can stay in talk its favor. Let's see what they can do with him. And, um, uh, you know, again, he's he's kind of in that whole trade. He's he's mo- maybe the the lesser part of that trade overall. That was more of a salary cap move. But this is a guy who if you can get playing well and uh, you can then maybe even if you don't see him as a long-term fit with the club, you can ship him out before the trade deadline next year and get more assets back.
1: Yeah. Well said. And Mobile is the only player with multiple points today. He had his two, uh, one, one plus one, which is pretty well, easy to figure out when the Canucks only scored two goals. One last thing about this game before we move on, Pete, and actually has to do with You probably noticed that it was the Horvat, uh, hor- old habits. Uh, it was the PD bovillier besser line that was on the ice for both of the Detroit goals. It, from a defensive structure standpoint, is it simply still building that chemistry and trust d- and awareness defensively or, or bad luck? Or what do you think? Like, uh, I, I always worry that that uh, as good as pd is as a matchup center he still gets caught on 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 the ice for some of those goals but maybe that was just a nature of who was on with them i don't know
0: i think uh pd has had a bit of a rougher go defensively lately but again i don't think it's just on him this for me like team defense isn't ever on one player on the ice there's there's up to six guys on the ice right and that includes the goalie and um, I think this is just you know when, when you have a goalie as well I, I, you know I, not to keep harping on the Canucks goaltending but when you have a guy back there you, you can trust for the save it, it changes a lot of things and I think the Canucks are generally taking risks or maybe not doing the play they would normally do because there's such a uh, an idea of like we got to get this puck out we got to get it up on the boards and you see a lot of blind passes in their own end and guys not necessarily taking their man properly and I think it all just kind of stems back to Defensively, there's not a lot of confidence in the whole team's game, which I I think you saw a bit today. But and I think that reflects on everyone. And uh, yeah, PD's defensive metrics haven't been as great lately. But I don't think I still don't consider him a liability defensively out there.
1: And he's probably our best uh, shutdown center when you look at them all uh, taken as a as a complete picture. Awesome, Pete. I think we did a good job breaking down this game. Let's take a quick two second pause. I get to insert an ad later when I edit the podcast, and then we will talk about where the Canucks go from here.
0: Sounds great.
1: All right. So where do the Canucks go from here? Actually, let's before we do that, what have you noticed? So Rick Tockett now, I believe under the uh, under him the Canucks are th- what are they? They are 2 and 1 before the break, then they're yeah, so I guess they're 3 3 and 1 now under Rick Tockett. What have you seen? Let's talk about the good. What have you seen any changes in the way that the Canucks play?
0: Changes more so in the way certain players are playing than in the way the the Canucks play. Um uh, Connor Garland, noticeable improvement, I, I think, out there. He's one that uh, I, I've been quite impressed with. Uh, Curtis Lazar, another one I think who's is improved. More so with uh, the forward game. Uh, the defenseman, again, I still haven't noticed uh, a huge difference. Maybe a bit with Quinn Hughes, but I think Hughes started really up in his game late December, early January uh, as well. Um, I think there's – they're definitely – it feels like they're playing – A more solid 60 overall but again you're not getting all the results that that you want Um, I still think obviously work in progress tough to tell over just you know a couple of handfuls of games but I do think especially with some of the forwards some of our you know middle six wingers uh, in particular and middle six players I think that some of them have been really re-energized by Talkit's style. And I think we're going to continue to see this as a bit of a, a work in progress as the season goes down, fin- figuring out who works uh, under this system and who is going to get shipped out. And, you know, we, we keep hearing names like Brock Besser and Connor Garland and yeah. really watching those guys and seeing, do they work with Talkit? Are these Talkit players or are these going to be part of uh, the, the, what I expect to be a fairly large roster turnover this offseason?
1: And we knew that uh, no matter who came in, Rick Talkett or whoever, whoever replaced Bruce Rujo was going to have an uphill battle just because of this market's adulation for Bruce and rightfully so. So uh, I almost felt like I didn't know much about Talkett. I saw his coaching record, but I, I kind of took that with a grain of salt. You know, everything changes, coaches mature. And I've, quite frankly, Pete, I've liked the way that he's spoken in the media. He doesn't try and use big flowery words or anything. Trying, to, He just says, uh, Trust soft systems, intensity, culture. He's using all these words, but I think he truly means them. And I, I've actually been fine with his transparency. And I don't think he said anything that you would say, you know, oh, I can't believe he said that he's only been here less than a month. So uh, if it's another way of building accountability and culture, I'm all for it. How about you?
0: Yeah, I think this is, it's very different from the Bruce Boudreau uh, regime and even uh, the coaches before that from Travis Green and Willie Desjardins going all the way back. You know, this is kind of a, a different look for a Canucks coach. I, I also love that you have guys like Foot and Gonchar on there. I mean, that's like a NHL 96 all-star team, right? Like, it, It's great to see these guys and players that were really tough to play against. And so I appreciate that they have that. Um, and uh, yeah, the jury is still out on obviously on a lot of things, but I, I do feel that this is—it's um, it, look what what we had for the same time wasn't working, and so let's try something different. Let's let's actually see what this management group uh, can do here, and what what this team can do because uh, they they didn't have their coach now. Look, they don't. They've they've since they've come in, they've gotten rid of their head coach, their AHL coach, and their captain. It's now all right. There's not really any more excuses here. Now they've kind of got their, their people in place. Let's see what this team can do and where they can go from here. So uh, still early stages, but I think um, I think that what we're seeing with talking to them is figuring out what they have with personnel, what they can work with and setting up more for what the September training camp is going to look like.
1: Right. And the, so let's talk about Kuzmenko real quick. Uh, 12 minutes of ice time, three games ago, 12 minutes of ice time last game and only 10 and a half this game. Is this simply um, odd man out? Cause Bester's playing better. Is this talk it, not trusting him and or is it too early to say because we did just sign him to a two year extension
0: i mean it's a one it's a one game and he didn't have a good game today and they're like just kind of looking at some of his metrics uh for the game as well like um it, he was the he he was the lowest player on the team in, in ice time it wasn't uh wasn't wasn't the best of games for him but uh, you know these, these things happen you, you know you see players. Have an off game. It'd be more telling if, like, how he comes back next game. Where they're using Kuzmenko. If you look at the lineup and you see oh, Kuzmenko starting on a fourth line wing, you're like, oh, geez, there's really something here. But I don't see any reason why this would be something that would be consistent uh, going forward. When the Canucks have just signed Kuzmenko to a two-year deal, he's he's having a pretty good year. Yeah. Uh, you know, let's let's look at this as a one-off. If this is there's a pattern with this then you're going to question, like, well, if Talkit doesn't trust this guy, why did the Canucks just sign him to a two-year, $11 million extension as well? So one of those games, I don't think Kuzmenko had uh, the best game. I mean, he still was, of course, positive player. Take that for what you want for the game. But uh, lowest base time on the team. So uh, that doesn't help my hockey pool at all. So I really <laughs> hope that that doesn't continue uh, as the season goes on. I
1: think uh, the Canucks, over the break, they, because of McCabe's injury, because we, we know about Pearson, Lane Pearson to to waivers, and then of course Bo getting traded. There are a lot of spots, so they actually brought up Neil Zaman, who started the season with us. They brought up Park who started the season with us, and they brought up Fieldy Giuseppe, who's up and down. I've actually been impressed with with all three. What have you seen from the three AHL call ups so far?
0: Yeah, impressed, and uh, this is something. Uh, I mean, you know, impressed for, for as much as you can for guys who are coming up from the AHL. But what I noticed, I've been following uh, the Abbey Canucks quite a bit. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, our, our friend Brendan, Jbo underscore Vancouver on, on Twitter, he goes to a lot of games. He's been really following the Canucks and we've been talking about uh, the structure and the way that that they've got the the team playing down there. And I think it's reflective and this is something that is really important for the organization like Doug and I on our podcast this week we talked about Atu Ratu going down to Abbotsford not immediately jumping up to the big club and I think this is important and you saw in the Pittsburgh area you saw a lot of these guys who came up through the system like guys like like Gensel and Rust who came up through the Pittsburgh organization playing in Wilkes-Barre for years and then getting up when they're ready, and I like to see what these guys have. Oman has looked about the same as when he was up last time, which is fine. Uh, Di Giuseppe, I think, has looked really good, uh, which is nice to see. And Pod Colson's game tonight did actually impress me quite a bit. He's got a lot of hustle. He still has some bad puck lock around the net. And, you know, <laughs> He'll set up a guy who hits the post or whiffs on it or something. But um, Pod Colson, I still see uh, as being a starting winger with this team, next year and uh we'll see you as well with hoglander what he's doing uh, down there as well but i think it's a good thing to to kind of let guys simmer a bit and not rush them up and uh so that's kind of as well with hoglander and ratu down there no rush to bring these guys up
1: yeah and i'm glad you mentioned hoglander i know a lot of people were fretting why wasn't he part of it i think it's important to realize that as soon as he plays two more games at the nhl level you cannot send him down to abbotsford without him having to clear waivers and you simply can't do that. So basically once you bring him up the next time he's up and he's either yeah, playing or he's a healthy scratch.
0: Yeah. So let him simmer, let him go and pod Colson, less games played. So there's a, there's not that same concern there, but um, yeah, completely right. I'm fine with letting the Hoglander stay down there and then you can make a decision with it next year uh, and whether he's a part of the future. More
1: anything that you've seen from talking, maybe it's not because of him, but things that you kind of wish the Canucks would improve on. And they haven't seemingly even. It's only been seven games, but you're still concerned. I think I know where you're going to go with this, but let's hear it from you.
0: <laughs> oh well, I I mean maybe I am. I don't know, but I was going to say physicality. Uh, this is something oh. with uh, that Rick Tockett as a player uh, was very physical, um, and the Canucks are doing it. They're playing physical, but they're also. Uh, not necessarily doing it the right way. They're still taking a lot of penalties. So I'd like to see them uh, play uh, a more physical grindier talk style game uh, than what they're currently doing. Um, and of course uh, not allow so many goals and kill some be- better penalties. All those things are kind of tied together. Um, but yeah, for me, I'd like to see just a more, more little fire in the team. I want to see uh, some of these kind of swingers play like Rick Tocket did when, uh, when he was playing.
1: Yep. And I, I maybe that's why he likes the di Giuseppis of the world because he could see a, a bit of a you know some what's the word that that starts with the like it starts with the word pug pu uh.
0: pugnacity
1: sure that <laughs> let's go with that
0: <laughs> yeah yeah but uh yeah you know the old Brian Burke quotes um but I think that uh again pod Colson has, has looked good with this too and I think this is something now that they are working on with the, on the AHL level and starting to create more of a core with this team. But it's a long work in progress, um, like a lot of things with this team. So uh, mm-hmm. um, let's, let's see how it goes with the rest of the season. Finally,
1: before we get to some questions from our, our viewers, I, I've known you for a few years now. You know, we only got to meet uh, just past couple months, which is awesome. I know you to be truly rational. You're a good communicator. You've been a long-time, long-suffering fan. Now, with 30, whatever, 29 games to go, w- with us sitting sixth from the bottom in the standings, and uh, I think you and I are smart enough to... We're still cheering when the Canucks score, and we we kind of want them to win, but at the same time, we, we're smart enough to recognize the big picture, especially this year. So having said all that, what do you want the Canucks to do for the final 29 games of the season?
0: Well, I think you said it pretty well, is I, I can never cheer against the team as much as you know i i I know it's in the best interest to lose i'm still out there watching the games and getting excited and wanting them to score goals and win even though i know that at this stage it is much better for them not to win games so you know it makes it when you watch a game like today you're like all right well you can kind of walk away from it like you know we got to see a couple goals i still cheered on the boys and uh but we didn't win which is kind of good um what i want to see them do is well continue to figure out what they what they want as well and and what do you do with luke shen like what do you do with uh brock bester what do you are you going to sell off and get more assets are you and are you going to continue to try and bring in some things to help for the future and continue this retool rebuild whatever i mean obviously what everyone wants is is draft lottery luck but also what everyone knows in vancouver is that's not likely going to happen but if you're sitting around sixth last in the nhl this year you're going to get a good prospect the Islanders hopefully continue to play well and finish out. you have two first rounders this year yeah. and uh, continue to figure out, look, I mean a retool for me isn't just the, the players on the ice. The retool is with the whole organization. You re- desperately need cap space and you desperately need to restock your your prospect cupboard. And by doing those and addressing those things, you're, you're helping the whole organization as well. So I want to continue to see more work there and then kind of figure out more of the personnel of who your starting 2023 20, man roster is next year more in the off season but you got to really make a decision on luke shen that's uh that's the next one that i'm really waiting on and do you move a guy like brock bester now i know it's tough to do in season with uh with the cap the way it is but what what other moves are the, the team going to make and again credit to management for ever. you know there's been a lot of ups and downs this year but they're one of the only teams that have figured out how to make trades this year with zero cap space
1: very good before we get to q and a I never got a chance to ask you, either on here or, of course, or on Twitter even, your your quick thoughts when you – what do you think of the Horvat trade overall for the Canucks?
0: Um, I'm, I'm pretty happy with it. Uh, again, I know the, the knock is, oh, they didn't get a right uh, shot defenseman prospect. Well, yeah, but you got a first-round pick. To me, the reason I like this trade is, barring something very crazy happening – it's about as good as a first round pick as you could possibly ask for in a return. You know, if you're dealing with a team like a Boston or a Carolina, that's going to be a later first round pick that you're likely getting. So, this one, yes, yeah, top 12 protected. The Islanders can just kind of hover right around that, you know, finish somewhere between 14th and 18th overall. That's going to be a mid teens first round pick. And that's about as good as you could possibly get from it. So uh, for myself, that's the big key. I've always uh, I was a big fan of Brad, too, for a while there. I know he had a terrible draft here, but he is still a prospect that is uh, that is a good prospect. And again, obviously, jury's out there and Bevelier's looked decent so far, but this is this trade's going to take a, a few years to unpack. I will say if it was eight years, eight and a half million to keep Bob Horvat here, then the team made the right decision yeah. with with trading him. That's, that's too rich for me.
1: No, I'm with you. The order was a little bit messed up with the Miller thing, but hey, uh, uh, yeah. all things considered, I am fine with it as well. Okay, friends. Uh, thanks everyone for joining us. We have a few more minutes with Pete. So put some questions in the chat box now. Pete and I will do our best to answer it for the next few. And again, uh, there's a day where the Canucks lost 5-2 to two. Detroit Red Wings. It was the first game of a back-to-back Canucks hosting the Red Wings on Monday night at Rogers Arena. I'll be at that game. Pete, you going to that one?
0: Uh, yeah, I am actually. I'll be at the uh, Detroit game on Monday.
1: Oh, sweet. Well, we can see each other and then uh, we should have done this live. Okay, maybe not. A Fangirl <laughs> says, what similarities... Okay, I know she's asked this to me before, so I'll ask you, what similarities do you see between the Linden and Horvat trade? I obviously traded to the same team, 30 years difference. Um, you want to chipping on that one yeah
0: i mean i noticed it right away as soon as i saw the islanders my first thought was the linden trade now the linden return was a little different you had two uh players who were already with some nhl experience in vertuzzi mccabe coming over yeah and then that third round pick they actually hit on and became yarkarutu so uh i mean obviously a fantastic trade uh so there's that's kind of for me almost though where the similarities end i mean it was a three-for-one deal with the islanders that's the the major part this one there's uh, there's a lot more variables in it because you're getting guys besides Um you're getting uh, the two main pieces, the prospect and the first question yeah. mark. So uh, it's going to take a little while, long, while longer to evaluate. But yeah, the, the similarities of trading uh, a captain fan favorite to the Islanders for three players is uh, it was is kind of kind of interesting.
1: Yeah, good question, fan And yes, the fact that it was uh, Linden and Horvat were the main pieces. Also, hello, Kepner Canucks, Kepner Canucks. Um, just started a brand new youtube channel so invite you guys to check him out always good always room for good content creators in vancouver there's enough passion to go around for sure great to see you any other questions for pete or for me as we look to wrap up the show um yeah pete as we're as we're waiting what's uh what's your recording rhythm for canuck speakeasy how often you guys record
0: uh we try and in the season do once a week but it's really dependent on our schedules uh and we try to record well we don't record on game nights so if you see the canucks are playing we uh we won't do those nights are out and then with the rest of the nights during the week we'll try and uh, figure out a night that works uh irregularly scheduling i know a friend of both of ours uh chris faber when we started doing the podcast Chris uh, was was on our a few times and we were on his a few times. And he's always said, just try and get a regular rhythm. And we're like, we'll try, we'll try. And it just never's worked out. So uh, we kind of just release episodes when we can about once a week throughout the season, uh, but not recording on game nights.
1: Very fair. Very fair. And, uh, we got one more. Pete, are you, uh, before I set you up with, are you a prospects guy a little bit?
0: Little bit, but uh, I haven't been doing enough research for the draft this year. Um, I'm kind of aware of the guys at the top, but uh, I need to once I'll I'll dive into that more. I think once uh, the the Canuck season is over.
1: Okay. So realistically at six, do you, do you have a, a guess or do you only know like five guys <laughs> like, like me? I kind of really only
0: know, like you kind of hope it's six, that one of those five guys falls. Yeah. Uh, so six again is kind of where the wild cards are. Um, I know Doug has been really looking at some defensemen that look uh, to be more available with uh, that second pick should The Canucks get it. Um, but yes, I, I, I admittedly I'm not at that point yet where I have started really diving into Uh, The prospects yet, because I'm still kind of focusing on the team, but once the Canucks are out, that'll give me a couple months to really prep up for the draft. And I know that Doug and I, at that point, that's when we really shift our attention more to the off season and the draft. We both love the draft, but uh, for now we're still focusing on the team and what's happening with the team, especially the trade deadline. Once we get past that, start looking at the prospects a little more. And then once the season ends, really dive into the prospects.
1: Perfect. Once you do your research, pass it on to me. So I look smart too. I'll send
0: you the Coles notes.
1: (laughs) Two very quick questions to wrap up. Sergey says, do you think Demko will start a few games before the end of the year?
0: Yeah, I do. I think, yeah. uh, well, I should say, assuming that he's 110%, yes. I think they'd like to get him, bring him back. Uh, that's a long time to go for goalies without playing games. Um, but I don't think there is absolutely any rush, nor should there be. However, if he gets, you know, it's, it's nice to see him back and skating and on the ice. Uh, I think there's a very good chance that we will see Demko, but uh, again, there's no rush with it, but I think the team would love to, and I know Demko would love to. Goalies, I mean, we saw that back in the Mikey DiPietro time here. You don't get enough games in, it does certainly hurt them, Um, and I think every Canucks fan would love to get a taste of Demko coming back, looking like bubble Demko, and feeling a little bit better, and the organization then would also know, hey, this is is this a part of our our future yeah. and and where to go forward with him so yeah i do
1: and we already know what's going to happen pete demko comes in he'll rattle off five or six in a row and then people are going to be mad and the last <laughs> last question from kempner uh, what do you think the canucks could realistically get in return for for bester i've always said uh, you're not getting it at a first maybe you're lucky to get a second but to me it's always a mid-round pick and maybe another asset but you're also probably retaining i don't know do you agree
0: I think the Canucks are very hesitant to retain on Besser. Yeah. And so, but the problem is, uh, if you were to train him by the deadline right now, you're having to take some sort of salary back yeah. with, or retain. And Besser's got years left on him, so uh, it's going to be very difficult. I think if you do it in the offseason, there's, there's more opportunities that open up because teams do have more cap space. Uh, but I think it almost, at least... Half of his salary worth coming back will be in a roster player that much, I think, uh, regardless if anything will happen. And then it also depends. You could use it in a way where maybe you weaponize and you take another team's bad contract on an in investor deal along with an asset. That's something I would be very curious about. Uh, the Maybe you take back a guy who's got one year left in, and- 7 million kind of the reverse of what the Canucks did with Arizona in that trade. Yep. And maybe by doing that, you can get someone back that that team doesn't want. Maybe it's a winger. They replaced Besser with, so their team is better. And by doing that, maybe then you could get a higher pick like a, uh, uh, maybe a late 20, first or a second or, or a good prospect or maybe a bit of both, but that's sort of more where I see it. I see Besser maybe as being more of an off season move, taking on a bad contract back with assets uh, and with Brock Besser going the other way. That's if he gets moved.
1: Yeah. You see him put up four points yesterday and you Thursday night. You're like, wow, this guy might be a, a good, good player after all. So we'll, yeah. we'll see what happens there. Zoom's giving us the one minute warning. So, Pete, I want to thank you for joining us from Victoria. From uh, Say hi to your mom for, from all of us, all 30 of us in here. We appreciate it. And I appreciate you coming on short notice. Uh, be, and I'll, I'll make sure I message you so I can shake your hand on Monday's game. Before you go, uh, once again, let everyone know where they can find you and your work.
0: Uh, Pete underscore gas on Twitter if you want to hear me nonsense tweeting about the Canucks and being sarcastic. Most of what I say is in jest. And then, of course, Canucks Speakeasy Podcast. You can find that on any of your podcast platforms.
1: Awesome. Pete, thanks again. Have a great weekend and I will find you at the game on Monday. Sound good. Sounds good. See you Monday. All right, brother. Thanks again. Cheers. Thanks. Thanks. All right, friends. That was Pete (coughs) Edwards of the connect speakeasy podcast. Make sure you go follow him on Twitter. They do some great work and you can tell Pete knows his stuff. He's a very smart guy and a very articulate and he was just, uh, he was awesome. So I want to thank him for coming on here. Short notice. Cutting my speaking time in half. For those of you that have been following me on my own channel know that I've been battling a cold for the past week. I got to get better because I'm I'm traveling to Dallas this weekend to um, to speak at a, a youth conference, which is pretty cool. So I think I'll be okay. I won't go too crazy this weekend. I want to thank all of you for being here with me tonight. The Canucks today, I should say, the Canucks next play on Monday night, hosting this exact same Detroit. Red Wings team. So hopefully they come up with a better effort, at least a better start, whether you want them to win or lose because I'm going there. I simply want to be entertained. So once again, thanks to Pete. Thanks to all of you for joining us on the Saturday afternoon. I hope you have an awesome rest of the day before you go subscribe to this channel, SDPN. Then you get all shows for all seven Canadian teams like the video on your way out. There's only eight likes. There's 30 of you in here. We should be able to jack that up a little bit. You can also follow me, Canuck Clay, both on Twitter and right here on YouTube. I do shows five nights a week, uh, live streams that that is, and I do reaction videos, post-game videos, so on and so forth. So I hope that you will follow me as well. I'm at 9,800 subscribers, so getting very close to the 10K mark, or as I like to call it, the 10 Clay mark for obvious reasons. Monday night, Canucks, Red Wings, be here, SDPN, for yet another episode of Game Over Vancouver. As always, stay safe, stay healthy, take care of yourselves, and take care of each other. And by the way, did I tell you that whenever I go to work, the first thing I do is I run and I hide? After all, good employees are hard to find. Take care and Go Go. Have a great day, everyone. Game
0: over! Powered by, by Sports Interaction. Interaction, Canada Sports, Sports Book. Book.